Welcome to the Rockman Podcast, the podcast which aims to inspire action to test and further the limits of your resilience through physical challenges. We do this by talking to individuals with incredible stories of endurance and discussing the powerful benefits that pushing your limits has on your health, well-being and overall quality of life. If you'd like to be notified about new podcast releases, be sure to hit the subscribe button below. And if you take some value from this podcast, please be sure to give us the thumbs up or leave us a review. I'm Terry Rosman, Ruckman founder, and today we are talking to ultra-endurance athlete and adventurer, Sean Conway. I hope you enjoy. Recording in progress. So, Sean Conway, welcome to the Rockman podcast. How are we doing? Thank, thank you for having me, mate. Yeah, um, I'm good. I did a, just been running around Wales today, did 2,500 meters of climbing, in 28k or something is crazy <laughs> 28k where the hell were you going so i did slamberis up the slate mines so from slamberis you sort of head north i guess is that the vertical kilometer it could be yeah it could be that bit there i've always um, been killed off doing that before as well <laughs> yeah and then up up along the ridge all the way to trifan and then from trifan down to the not quite to the car park just to that um i can't remember plin ogwin or something the the tarn there and then back up and over and down back to uh to Flamberis. so uh, and, and this was a training run um no well yeah just a bit of fun it's it was <laughs> part of part of the paddy buckley round so me and my cousin who i mean i don't think we can ever manage the paddy buckley to be honest but we enjoy going and doing some of the legs so last week we did uh sort of capel keurig and around there uh only 20k and then today was sort of 28k um but yeah and that's buckley's hard yeah, yeah buckley's hard. it's like it's underrated because there's so many bits that are like you're almost climbing you know you're on hands and feet and you know yeah. we did very little running actually because <laughs> you can't yeah, it was a bit slippery as well, to be honest, but um, but I see, well, yeah, so yeah, it was, a, it was a tough day, if I'm honest. Yeah, I bet. Well, for people that don't know, because obviously we haven't introduced you yet, so you are Sean Conway. I am, still, <laughs> I think. Zimbabwe born. Yeah. Now, UK resident, I'd imagine, you've been here for a while. Yeah, live. I live in Wales. Um, now you're the, Welsh, which is even better. Yeah, my wife is fully Welsh, so I'm I'm an honorary Welshman. Uh, yeah. If they'll have me. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I was born in Zimbabwe. I grew up in South Africa. I moved to the UK when I was 20 years old because uh, my family was from here and Ireland. Mm-hmm. So dad side's Irish, mum side's English, um, and then. Yeah, just I've been here twenty odd years now, and uh, met my wife, got a couple of kids, live in live in a bungalow in Wales, living the dream, man. <laughs> well, like for, for people that don't know, in um a couple in one minute or less, because it, it from what I see, it's you've had a life of two halves. You had up until you were thirty, um, doing your business, and yeah. then after thirty, you turned into. I don't some incredible endurance challenge beast. So for people that don't know, maybe in one minute or less, could you sort of condense it down to who you are and what you've been through since the age of 30? Well, I, I, since the age of 30 until now, I've basically 
I get classed as an adventurer, but I sort of cringe at that. <laughs> I kind of sort of feel I don't really know what that feels a, a bit wanky, you know. <laughs> so I I'm 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 technically a non-professional ultra endurance athlete. So I try and break world records in the world of sort of super ultra endurance. So you know, like cycling around the world, cycling across Europe, you know, world's longest triathlon, um, things like that. And that that's just, you know, gives me a kick up the ass to sort of make the most of myself. Um, because before that, I used to be a, a grumpy school portrait photographer, which I wasn't wasn't very fulfilling for me. Um, so that's what I do now. I just try and break records. And sometimes I break them, sometimes I don't. <laughs> it's just the world of sport, you know? Do you know what? When I was doing my research, I was looking through your website and I was like, right, what challenges has Sean done? And I, I saw a couple of the big ones at the top. And I was like, oh, they're brilliant. I think it was 15 marathons in 15 national parks in the UK within 15 days. Yeah. Um, there was the, I, from what you understand, the world's first sort of triathlon of John O'Groats to Land's End. Yeah, yeah, Land's End John O'Groats Triathlon, which no one's no one's ever done still, unless Ross Edgley is the only other person who could do it because he's done the swim. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very few people even do Land's End to John O'Groats cycling and running. It's, yeah. it's quite a small crew crowd of people, and I'm I'm the only one in the in the the Le Jog Triathlon Club at the moment. Getting so pretty. please, can someone Ross, please cycle and run it so you can <laughs> be in my club with me. I'm getting lonely. <laughs> You're calling him out now. Well, Reese Jenkins, Rockman athlete, he he recently ran. From, yeah, he did three peaks. Joggle, yeah, joggle, yeah. Peaks. So yeah, he's got two left. Maybe he can step up to the plate and uh, well, for your money. Swim, you know, the swim's the one that turns everyone off because it's pretty miserable. So. <laughs> yeah, that looks miserable. But what yeah. what surprised me, what didn't surprise me, I was like, I kept scrolling through the list of your challenges and I kept scrolling and scrolling. And it just, it seems like it's never ending. I was like, oh, this is too many. I can't look <laughs> at all these. Like, so, <laughs> how, Cheese how, rolling is probably my favorite though. <laughs> I did see cheese rolling on there. How, I mean, how, how do these challenges come about? What, you know, what, how often are you doing them? that's 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 changed so in when i sort of quit the photography in 20 uh sort of 2011 really i then decided to try and break the world record for cycling around the world so that was 2013 as you do sorry 2012 the around the world cycle then 2013 was the swim when i swam lands and john O'Groats. 2015 was the run 2016 i did the uh, world's longest triathlon 2017 i had a crack at the the uh, across europe cycling world record and then i failed so in 2018 i went back and did that so for the first sort of you know i was training for around the world in, in 2011 so it was a good seven year period where i was just doing something big every year you know and i sort of part of me regrets doing them all too quickly because you know, I, I, I ticked so many life goals and I had this big crazy goal of getting the three F's of endurance, the world's first, furthest and fastest. And I, I genuinely thought that'd be a lifelong dream. You know, I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll eventually get all three by the time I'm 60 and that's great. But, you know, I got them all by the time I was 38 and I'm like, oh, you know, so and, and then I'm a sort of like sat on my laurels going, oh, now what? <laughs> I mean, luckily, it coincided perfectly with getting married and having some kids and, and all that. And then COVID came along. So that sort of messed everyone's life up for the last couple of years. 
so anyway yeah so i was doing sort of a real big thing once a year and then loads of little things like the three peak cycle challenge and you know kayaking the length of the thames all these little fun things cycling to the alps um in between whereas now i'm sort of planning a big big thing every every couple of years and still doing the small stuff like you know the, the national parks marathons and the 496 challenge um and running across iceland you know all little little short short fun ones like that you know so um yeah so that's that's the list really it's 10 years now well and on the 18th of february so not far away is the 10 year anniversary for me departing for the round the world bike ride back in 2012 so yeah that's that was the first be... one was it that was, that the, was, that was the first well time. that was the first one when i after i quit the photography so before while i was still a photographer towards the end of my photography career there's probably a two-year period where i probably should have quit the photography game but just you know the irish the irishman in me was just like you've just got to stick it out man no matter how bad it is it'll get better it, it, it doesn't get better unless you actively choose to change, you know, processes in, in your daily life, um, which I didn't. So I'd sort of, I'd done the cheese rolling, which is a bit of fun. I climbed Kilimanjaro dressed as a penguin. So I did that during, <laughs> while I was in photography, I went and traveled around and trekked in Nepal for a bit. Um, and these were sort of photography in the photography game. You're sort of January, February, March is always pretty quiet. So I used to take a month off and just go and, you know, do some fun things that I could afford. And the one year, the, the biggest thing I did was I did Land's End to John O'Groat's bike ride um, in 2008. So a couple of years before I quit the photography, uh, but super, like really slow. I mean, I tried, I tried to do it fast, but I was just so unfit. It took me 25 days. <laughs> so, you know, it was really nowhere near a world record attempt, even though at the time I'd heard about Gethin Butler, who had the record um of 44 hours um and i was like oh i wonder how close i can get to 44 hours it's now 40 41 hours i think how is that even physically um, possible you need tailwind basically yeah. uh, you gotta really it, it's doable with but if you have one you know if you have you know five bad hours five or six bad hours with a headwind you, you, it's gone really um that that record it's you, you're really in the mercy of the tailwinds on that one um but uh, yeah so i sort of i still thought well i wonder how close i can get to two days <laughs> 25 days later <laughs> yeah so i mean i probably should have you know most normal people would have probably given up but i have a very short memory and a low iq so i was like ah that doesn't matter i'll just train harder next time you know so what what, what sort of what made you quit your job then what was it what describe what you were where were you in that point of your life and what were you feeling for you to go, do you know what? This isn't for me. I need a change. Yeah. I mean, it was a slow boil. You know, if you boil a frog from cold water, it eventually dies. Whereas if you put a frog in hot water, it'll jump out. Yeah. I felt like the boiling frog where just, I'd set up this company with a friend of mine, James Carnegie. And the original plan was, well, we can earn enough money from photographing nursery school kids. So, uh, just, I, I mean, I don't know who's listening to this around the world, but in the UK, we have every once a year, a photographer comes into your school, takes pictures of you and your parents buy them. 
Now I was doing that for, for nursery. So kindergarten, play school. So naught to five years old mm-hmm. or four years old. Um, and, you know, it turns out parents buy crap pictures of their kids, you know, and we <laughs> made a killing. So the original goal was, you know, I, I wanted to be this amazing National Geographic photographer, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get those commissions at the age of 22, 23. So I needed to earn some money. And I, well, I had two options. I could go and work because I have no air levels and I didn't go to university. I could go and work in a photo lab, which I did, uh, or, you know, in Starbucks or something that's where it doesn't require me having any sort of education uh, and then try and get the fun jobs on the side. Or I could still be in photography doing photography jobs I don't enjoy that pay well and then would give me free time to do the other stuff. But the problem is the nurseries paid so well what we started doing, James and I, is sort of turning down the creative work because we knew the nurseries would pay more. Right. And, I mean, it was a terrible decision, but but it was hard not to make that decision because, you know, we've got lots of, lots of like, friends, you know, a lot of these schools became our friends and they say, oh, you know, would you mind coming back and photographing us again? And it was just sort of hard to go, well, no, we don't want to because actually we want it. It's pretty boring. Sorry. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what it was, you know, it was just bad decision making. And then I turned 30, realizing that nothing was challenging me. And all I was doing is, is well, actually, by then I wasn't even photographing the kids anymore. I was just managing this company with James. You know, we had seven staff, you know, photographers and Photoshop people in the office and the salespeople. And we were based in the Midlands, London and the Channel Islands. So it was a big operation. And all I spent my days was just kind of dealing with reprint orders and bent photos that arrived in the post and parents complaining we'd made their kid look ginger. You know, it was just like, like genuinely, that was quite a common complaint um and yeah i just was nothing was challenging me really um and i was lucky i was lucky i had no i didn't have a girlfriend i didn't have kids i didn't have a mortgage so you know i was able to just go yeah there's something in the world that i feel will fulfill me uh and something that will give me a reason to get out of bed every day and you know photographing crying babies wasn't it so yeah just packed it in really at 30. And what what did you go into then what what was your first so you've packed in your job and in fact there's a funny story Did, didn't you sell it for one pound? Yeah yeah I sold it for one pound and then spent four pounds on the frame to frame the pound um so yeah it's uh yeah so where I was in my head <clears throat> is I wanted to go traveling so I, I sort of, because I dreamt about sort of traveling the world and being this amazing travel photographer. But I didn't really have any money to go traveling, like to do a proper big epic, like cycle around the world. Like I just didn't have the cash. Um, and and I'm 30 years old with no levels and no CV. You know, well, I was a photographer from when I was a teenager and I packed it in. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't employ me. So I, and I was living in London. So there's no there's no sort of low paid job where you could save enough money living in London. Like it was really difficult because rent's expensive, just everything's expensive. So even if I'd gone and, you know, started to work at a photo lab or, a, you know, or, or 
Starbucks or whatever, I just wouldn't have saved enough money to go cycling around the world. Mm -hmm. So I needed to come up with a plan. So, and I hadn't thought of cycling around the world yet. I just, I thought, right, I want to go traveling, but I need, I need to find some money to go traveling. So I thought, well, what if I try and break some sort of record in the world of travel? That was it. That was my thought process. Maybe there's a world record out there that has a certain element of traveling in it, which will allow me to see the world and take amazing photos and meet people. Um, and then maybe I'll get sponsorship. That was literally it. Maybe someone else will pay, pay for my travels under this sort of pretense that, I, oh, I'm going for a world record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then what happened is I then thought, I thought of this around the world record which uh, uh, the guy called Vin Cox had. And he also was going to put on a race at 20, in 2012. It's going to be the first ever round the world bike race. And um, I thought, well, I'll enter that because if I'm part of a race, that's even more reason for a sponsor to come and, you know, fund, pay for my flights and whatnot. Um, so I started training really hard, managed to get sponsorship for, you know, someone covered my flights around the world and visas and whatnot. And uh, I, uh, I then realized, actually, I wasn't that interested in the travel bit anymore. I sort of, I realized that actually I was really enjoying the physical challenge of it. So in the world of adventure, you've sort of got exploration and travel on the one side, and then you've got sort of sport and endurance. It doesn't have to be endurance, but there's sort of an athleticism side to adventure. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely enjoying that side of it. I'm not a very good traveler. I don't, I'm sort of not very good at going on holiday, whereas I really enjoyed the training. I really enjoyed just pushing myself physically and just seeing where I could get. It really, I, I got a massive kick out of it. It got me out of bed every day. Um, and that's that was kind of where it started, really, back in, well, it was 2011 when I was training and I got the funding to cycle around the world. And uh, yeah, that that's kind of started this sort of weird career life thing that i've yeah and it's kicked it, it, it certainly kicked off but it's so true i think so many people get caught in sort of that um i, I call it a rat race i guess of an unfulfilling uh nine to five grind waking up doing your work going to bed and if you're not careful the years can catch up with you <laughs> before you know it you know you're lucky yeah. you caught it at 30 you know some people some people don't even catch it ever you know what uh, I mean? Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. But I, I sort of, I feel like, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these sort of like, oh, just quit your job. And because I don't, I don't think that would fix a lot of people's sort of problems. If, if they're not enjoying their job, um, you really got to sit back and go, you know, because if you quit your job and you've not got steady income, and as unromantic as it sounds, you know, we need to buy food. We need to put shelter over our heads. We need to send our kids to nursery school, which is blooming expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah tell me about it. Um, so, you know, there's all these responsibilities, which this capitalist world has created for us, call it what you will. However, it does give people drive sometimes, you know, as soon as I became a dad, I'm like, right now I need to go out and actually, you know, earn some money to pay for nursery and, and things like and swimming lessons and whatnot. You know, my kids are young, very young. Um, but actually, that's been quite good for me because I was quite used to just living this sort of bum life. I lived on a boat for ages and <laughs> and I and I loved it. But actually, it was probably for me, it didn't feel 
it feel right. You know, I, I was lucky enough that, you know, I lived out in the bush in Africa um, and just had this amazing upbringing and I'd like to give, give my kids the same. And yes, you don't need money for, to give your kids a good life. Absolutely not. However, just quitting your job and trying to live the, a life without money can prove to be sort of more stressful and probably give you more depression than sort of in your job that you kind of mediocrely didn't quite enjoy, which is why I actually, you know, and Al Humphreys is a big fan of this, of course, and he coined the micro adventure, you know, sometimes it's better just to keep your nine to five. And yes, it might not be super fulfilling, but what can you find fulfilling outside of that? You know, because also um, another thing, which is why I'm not a big fan of just quitting your job and doing something sometimes make having something you love if you then have to make money out of it can ruin the thing you love mm -hmm. now for me i'm lucky it's good uh, i love what i do and i manage to sell books and and you know people like to read them and that's great um but for example i'm also into knife making but i couldn't think of anything worse than making that a business i really i genuinely and there's amazing knife makers all over the internet and making these beautiful 500 pound chef knives uh and i love the art of it but i would hate to sort of all of a sudden quit my job and decide to make money out of knife making because i think that would ruin my enjoyment of knife making at the moment mm -hmm. so you've just got to be honest with yourself so yeah i'm definitely what i'm trying to say is is yeah, if you if you hate your job, yes, they, you probably should quit it and find something else you like. And yes, you definitely don't need as much money as you think you can to lead a good life. Um, but you really got to be honest with yourself. You know, if you're used to going away on holiday and, and taking your kids, you know, abroad and and this sort of thing, you you know, maybe you don't do that, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing, you know. But you've just got to be honest with where, where are you going to focus your energies on? Because we all need to do something and work often just gives us that thing to do in life. And, and if it's not enough, then maybe add other things. That's why people, that's why people do ultras and, you know, do yeah. silly challenges because it gives them, gives them something exciting to do outside of work and work is good. It's there. It's stable. It gives me money. I don't have to stress about buying food and going, going hungry, but I've got this other thing, you know, you know, because you work from nine to five, you got from five to nine, or you should divide your life into three sets of eight, eight hours work, eight hours sleep, eight hours play. So there's a lot of time to do other stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, it just, it's just what suits you, but, but you know, you just got to be honest with yourself. And yeah. Um, so do you know what I, I see? I see so many sort of entrepreneurial videos on online on YouTube. You probably see them yourself. Um, and it's all about, yeah, you should just quit. <laughs> they do say, you know, quit yeah. your job, chase your dreams. And I couldn't, if I, that is the worst advice you could give anyone in the world. I think you have to have an exit plan. It's Absolutely. almost like, so if you spot this, this thing that you want to chase this dream, you have to think about it methodically and, and, you know, and replace, as you are saying, but you know, money is a resource that we need <laughs> to put <laughs> roof over our head, food in our mouths. Um, so I get it. I get it. You know, don't yeah. just quit and uh, hit the road yeah. on your bike. Um, yeah. Think about it methodically. But there was one thing you were talking about then. So you're, you've just recently become a father for the second time, right? Yes. Yeah. Sebastian is three months old now. So uh, and hold, yeah. holds your eldest two and a half. So we're still in the early days. You know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm bang on with you. 
pretty oh, much. Really? <laughs> I've got a two and a half year old and a seven month year old. So not just wow. a couple of months ahead. Yeah. But, so I'm feeling your pain, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know the pain. Yeah. When you said, because um, we proposed the time a bit earlier, didn't we? So I'm sorry, that's bedtime. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because 20 minutes before we had our podcast, I've got my little one next door. She was screaming the house, Dan. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, I hope she goes to sleep. <laughs> How have you coped with fatherhood? and adding it into the mix of these challenges. And how do you balance the two, training and fatherhood? Yeah, well, I mean, so Monty is two and a half, you know, he was six months old when COVID came. So he's pretty much been a COVID baby uh, his whole life. So I've actually only been a dad for six months before COVID. (laughs) And it was great. I was enjoying it. And then COVID came. So I kind of you know i'm very thankful and lucky that i haven't been affected by covid um so i was just able to you know be at home and be a dad so it's hard to answer that question because i've not lived as a dad in the real in normal times as it were um how it's changed my attitude to adventure things i'm i'm really less inclined to do anything that has a risk of death in it so you know mountaineering i just sort of put a line under i was never really into it anyway but you know part of me was like oh you know would you like to climb big mountains one day and loads of my friends do it but you know the dangerous stuff i've just said no i was getting into paragliding for example and yeah i know paragliding can be very safe but the reward at the end is just no Uh, and even the ultra endurance cycling i sort of really decided i'd done enough cycling and i'm you know, I felt I'd had a few. Cl- I'd been run over once before, but I'd had a, I was starting to get a few close shaves, and I just thought, you know what, you know, doing the long, long forty hours on public roads, trying to win these big races, and I just that would would have been the next step for me, and I, I'm not sure it was worth it when I became a dad. So, so that I've decided to to tone down. However, I've decided to up my game on some other challenges that are just difficult you know just yeah. <laughs> really difficult and i've got a few in the pipeline but covid is still hanging about so I'm, I'm just waiting till i sort of can see a light at the end of the tunnel and then i'm going to go for them and but they're huge they're, they're bigger than anything i've ever done um yeah. and i'm trying to train for one now prepping for one at the moment so today's run uh in in was was part of that training um but yeah they're they're big so and, and the no reason exclusives for rockman no here. unfortunately <laughs> not sorry <laughs> only because i don't want anyone else to to sort of do them <laughs> yeah, right. yeah you know, true <laughs> it's a competitive you know i'm still a sportsman i'm still there's still a you know i still have people who's up who i'm up against um yeah. and um yeah and the reason is is I I sort of am now even more determined to do these really difficult, like really difficult challenges so that my kids can just sort of one day go like, whoa, dad, you know, and I'm hoping it, it just sort of sets them up with a mental capacity that's that's higher than I had when I was a kid. And it's not because my dad and my mum didn't do amazing stuff. They did amazing stuff. Um, but it's sort of, they just, 
kind of kept it to themselves. I'm like, you should have written a book, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I only found out about all the cool stuff my parents did when I was in my 30s, you know, because they just, you know, there was social media and they didn't write stuff down. And same with my grandparents. My grandparents led, led these amazing lives. And I wish they'd have written these things down. They're just too humble, you know. Yeah, modest. So, you know, and I just want to do stuff and write my books so that one day my future grandkids can hopefully take something away from it. And um, and because I, I really are just a big believer in doing things where there's a huge sort of uncertainty on the outcome. I'm a mm -hmm. big, big fan of that. And it could be physical. It could be learning learning an instrument it could be starting a business like what you're doing you know like if you if there's a sort of if you're uncertain about the outcome it just kind of gives you that buzz because you know unfortunately we don't have any lions to chase us anymore um <laughs> so we got to create these things right and and it is it is a privilege that we're in a position that we have to do these silly things to get a buzz out of life when there's so many people who, who are struggling but that's you know that's the life we were given um, so you know we've got to make the most of it somehow and hopefully that will extend and you know, we kind of help other people as well metaphorically you know type thing. have you have you um, ever thought sort of deeply about why you do it and what you get from it so I know you were saying it's you know you want to be this shining example to your children and inspiration which is very honorable but what do you get it do you get any sort of self-fulfillment from it proving yourself that you can do these things in the early days, it very much was a sort of gorilla beating my chest type thing. It was sort of, like, look at me, I'm the fastest and the first and I've done the furthest this and whatnot. Um, and now, now it's less about the ego side for me because I feel I've proved to myself that I can do way more than I thought I could. And I know that sounds cheesy and cliche. And now it's got to a stage where I'm just looking for stuff that I think I can't do and it's really difficult um, or trying to raise awareness for something, for example, like the national parks marathons. And that gives me a kick, you know, it gives me a real kick. And, you know, the other reason is, you know, I think I'm quite good at it, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's nice to be in a place where you, you sort of do something that you're good at. And, and that gives me a, a huge sense of fulfillment in life doing something that I know I'm good at because I don't know what else I would do really I mean I write books I, I'm people I've written seven books and you know lots of people buy them and that's great and I'd love to write more and that's probably what I'll land up doing later down the line more full-time I think mm -hmm. um, but if I didn't have the sports side of things I think I'd just get quite frustrated I think I find I, I I just need that that sort of that that outlet for me to focus my energies on, and if it has a bit of a physical element to it, I, all the more better. But it doesn't always have to be physical. As I say, I'm into all my hobbies. I I like fixing old cars as well, so I've always got a classic car in the garage that I'm tinkering with. At the moment, it's a 1960s split screen VW camper van. You know, I that saw gonna... on your Instagram earlier. Yeah, it so it's, it's lovely. So, you know, th that's what I just need stuff to focus my energy on. Mm -hmm. um, but the sport thing is the one that sort of I feel the most proud of. Um, and, and yeah, and, and it is my job, which is, is the, the unromantic side. But it's the only way I'm able to put food on the table for my family. So, yeah. I'll, I'll keep doing it as long as I can. 
Well, I mean, a lot of people talk about a why, don't they? That everyone's got to have a why. You know, when when it really get when you get pushed into those deep waters, and it's it's you know you're really under the cosh. It's it's the why you're doing it that sort of you can bring up for energy and activation and energy to to push through these walls that we we're faced with. What's your why? Do you do you have a, do you, have you consciously thought about a why or or is there an example when you were in a particularly low moment and sort of what did you call upon to get you through that 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 moment? Um, there's I don't really call upon anything because quitting there's no real like I just it's not an option it's not even on the table it's it's just not a thing because if I quit something it's really just not going to be beneficial to me down the line. I, you know, I love writing books. If I quit, I don't get to write a book about it, for example. And if I quit, my grandkids don't get to, get to read a story about this cool thing Granddad Sean did once. Um, and so, yeah, the pain and stuff is is going to be there. But if I quit, I'm still I'm going to land up land up in a worse position. And I am an athlete. You know, I'm not just this sort of airy fairy philosopher going off and doing these things trying to find myself and change the world i'm an athlete and if you lose as an athlete that's it you know <laughs> no one's going to look at you everyone no one remembers who came second on anything really <laughs> you know he was the second guy to climb everest i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um you know who comes second in the 100 meter sprints nowadays Pff, i don't know well actually i don't know who comes first now that usain bolt's gone either yeah, exactly. um so you know so there's that part of it where just quitting's is is not an option but the thing and i mentioned earlier it's i really you know i'm 41 nearly and i've only just had our second child so you know if you look at you know people are having kids later and later it's likely my kids are going to be 40 and they have kids so i'll be 80 so it's very unlikely that i'm going to have meaningful conversations with my grandkids once they're old enough because i'll be gone so that for me is quite a, actually quite a powerful motivating factor to carry on at the moment because it means I can write the story down and I can have a book out of it and I love book format I think it's the best format of of written um sort of content you know I much prefer it to blogs or to magazine articles I, I just love the format of a book mm -hmm. um and I, I love long form anything actually in fact I love podcasts that are like four hours long it's just like brilliant you know and it, it, i can't believe people who listen to podcasts at double speed i don't get it i don't get it like do they do that oh yeah it's oh it's huge like kids now they listen to all their like their work notes and all their things they need to do for schooling in double speed it's like blah, blah, blah. i'm like i don't know i want to just give me a four-hour podcast and i'll listen to it in half speed if i if i could um so i just love long form content in general Mm -hmm. um yeah if i'm going to watch a film in the cinema i'm like right which one's three hours long i'm getting my money's worth on this one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's just go on, sorry yeah i was just gonna say I, you know writing these books is is a huge motivating factor so that my future grandkids can read them one day yeah so it, it sounds to me like you do have a why there is something you call upon everything you've just explained it's that yeah, I exactly. will not quit. Quitting is yeah. not an option. You've yeah, exactly. Got, and all these higher purposes as well. But it's weird. Yeah, your grandchildren yeah and exactly. But I don't have to really call on them. They're mm. sort of just ingrained. It's not sort of like, oh, I'm tough. Oh, I need to think about them. It's just quitting is just not, not an option. 
you know, most of the time, if things are going bad, there's six elements, there's six sort of pistons of endurance, I call them, which is planning, food, water, sleep, muscle management, and motivation. And if things are going bad, I'm not thinking, oh, you know, what do I call upon to go faster? I'm thinking, right, have I eaten properly? Am I hydrated? You know, what are my muscles like? Do I need an ice bath? What was, what was my sleep like last night? Because remember, a lot of the stuff I do is multi-day, right? So I'm like, all right, well, you know, do I need more sleep tonight or less sleep? Am I behind? What's the temperature like? Is my route the best it could be? Could I cut this corner to because the tailwinds and but there's more elevation? You know, so constantly in my head, I'm just thinking of those six pistons, you know, and, and trying to make them fire. And that's sort of getting me out of it. Um uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of quite practical sometimes in, in when things are going bad and, and also, you know, <laughs> James Lawrence, yeah, uh, uh, an American guy who does triathlon, uh, Ironmans, he, uh, he says he never has two bad days. Um, I've definitely had two bad days, but you said, you certainly don't have sort of like three or four bad days in a row like it's gonna get better (laughs) so i sort of have that blind hope that if today's crap tomorrow's gonna be not crap because statistically that's hopefully how it works yeah bad times never last but nor to the good you know nor to the good and you've got to remember that too yeah yeah it's funny you were talking about the the six pistons i have it on my notes i wanted to talk to you about this (laughs) but it's almost like when things got tough you just took it back to the basics and the things that you can control. Those six P's that you talk about, the six pistons are all within your control. And it's when you're going back to them, it's like, what can I do? And everything almost goes back to them as well, doesn't it? Every, however you're feeling, whatever you're going through, it is connected to each one of those. Could you, I was wondering if, if you could talk through each of the pistons a bit for the listeners and explain what each one uh, refers yeah. to. Yeah. So on multi-day world record attempts, you know, you're often you're up against a clock a lot of the time not always on on the sort of the longest of something you're not um you could take your time but within reason you know my world's longest triathlon i did non-stop for 85 days 4200 miles and people took that seriously you know people took that seriously as a genuine athletic achievement had i taken 185 days people would say oh well that's a holiday so there's an there's still an element of just you know going every day all day as fast as you can even though there might not be a time limit. Now to do consistent, good daily mileage in whatever, you know, swimming, cycling, running, or whatever, you've got to have these six pistons firing all cylinders. And they are, as I said, planning, food, water, sleep, muscle management, and motivation. So planning is, is often a lot of it's done before you even reach the start line. So that's, you know, looking at the terrain, looking at wind directions, looking at temperatures for that time of year, looking at road conditions, trail conditions, whatever it is. And then also, again, on multi-day things, it's, you know, every day you're planning a couple of days ahead with, for food stops, water stops, where you're going to sleep, that sort of thing. So, you know, you've really got to just be on top of everything when it comes to planning. Then food, within the food pie chart, you've got energy recovery and health. And you've got to really look after all three of them. The health one people forget about, you know, and they don't have their antioxidants and electrolytes and salads that you need. And it's difficult because why have a bowl of salad that's 100 calories when you can have, you know, a foot long from Subway and it's 1,000 oh, yeah. calories, right? So, um, 
it's uh yes yeah, so within food you've just got to really keep on top of of what you're eating and what's good for you you know for example and it also depends what you're doing so you can do a high fat diet which is great for endurance but if you if you're running at 150 beats per minute you, you're going to be burning 100 carb pretty much i mean some some people are sort of anomalies and they might be burning fat at 150 beats per minute but it's pretty rare you know I, at, at 143 beats per minute i'm burning entirely carbs you know because i'm pushing and, and that's what my body needs to burn and i probably people are going to probably shout to me and say oh actually you just need to train your body better and it's true i probably could um it just it, you know, the, the high fat thing hasn't worked for me i need a mixture of sort of half fat half carbs in the energy thing and then some protein of course um, but if I eat, you know, I know that if I eat more vegetables and less meat, I feel better and I perform better. For example, I'm not, I'm not vegan or vegetarian, but, um, I'm what I call flexitarian. So, you know, four nights a week, we probably eat only plant-based meals and, you know, we have a roast on the weekend, but I certainly feel better when, when I eat, when I eat plant-based food and fresh food as well, you know, if, fresh food is, is i feel better and stronger and have more energy than sort of processed food <clears throat> so that's the food then water you know hydration i've done salt sweat tests and salt loss tests and i lose a lot of salt i lose twice as much salt more than twice as much salt as most people um i lose 3.4 grams of salt per liter of sweat most people lose a gram gram and a half so i really need to keep on top of my salt you know hydration uh just just the way my body works yeah, yeah apparently um i've not really looked into it anymore but um yeah there's uh it's just i just need to have a lot of salt so <laughs> i've been i've licked my skin before you know on a sweaty run i'm like i need more salt so i'm mm -hmm. licking my arm and everyone's like what are you yeah. doing Weirdo. <laughs> and um yeah so keep on top of hydration you know how much water do you need you don't want to carry too much water where can i get water is there running streams do i need a filter you know or can i just drink it straight out the stream um you know it's, it's just really keeping on top of of hydration uh food what sleep is the next one on multi-day you know too much sleep and you're too far behind too little sleep you're not recovered enough and then each day will be different and then also where am i going to sleep you know i don't want to be going five minutes down a side road it's wasting my time so i'm going to try and sleep as close to the road as possible for me it's things like bus stops and drain pipes under the road that are pretty useful if it's not raining and uh and yeah just you know trying to learn your body and and learn how much sleep you can survive on and actually you can survive on a lot less sleep than you think mm. physically you know it's weird and it's strange to have be so sleep de deprived but you're looking at your figures and you're going actually i'm cycling or running at the exact same speed i would when when i'm perfectly not asleep uh, or not tired so it's an interesting one it's just kind of practicing that uh, and then muscle management that's you know what do you need to do to your muscles to keep them in you know in good form do you need ice baths so it's getting in cold rivers for example or, or once i even uh, a fisherman was sort of coming he came into the dock i was this is during my triathlon around britain and he was sort of throwing the ice overboard i was and i just jumped on the opportunity i was like whoa 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 can you do you mind if i have some of your ice he's like yeah what do you need it for i was like oh, i want an ice bath and then there was this bucket which they soak all the nets in 
on the on the dock so i was like oh can i just throw the ice in there and jump in there he's like if you want mate so i was like pulling all this manky fishnet out oh. out this big blue bucket big, big blue um like drum uh i threw the ice in there and then i jumped in there and had a bit of an ice bath uh so yeah there's that and, and then you know rolling i you know do you take a little rolling pin or a little stick you know there's times where i've been and i have the same thought every time this happens on my cycling challenges when i've camped up in a wood i only take one set of clothing so i'm awfully sleeping naked so but before i sort of get in my sleeping bag i'm standing stark as naked with a, a, a twig uh, from a tree <laughs> rubbing it up and down my it band and yeah. on my quad and then on my calves and I, I swear every time I think about this, and I, I actually do a wave. I think they've someone set up one of those motion detector owl cameras in the woods you know, <laughs> or, or to photograph a fox. And then they get a notification on their phone and they're like, whoa, this is exciting. And then they see some hairy ginger naked bloke rubbing his yeah. leg with a stick. <laughs> and I'm waving just in case there is a camera there. So I've got a big net over your head. And yeah, exactly. Like that. We've got him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so muscle management, you know, just keeping on top of things that are tight and knowing what's going on. And this just comes with experience. And I, you know, I'm only 41, so I've still got a long way to go in, in that side of experience side of things. Uh, and then motivation, you know, what's what's motivating you to keep going? You know, what what are these metaphorical carrots in front of you that are going to keep you from quitting? You know, I mentioned them to me like, you know, quitting's not on the table. You don't think about it. You know, making your kids proud, making your grand future grandkids proud. That's super important for me. Raising money for charity, raising awareness for a specific project. Um, you know, whatever it is, keep those in the forefront of your mind. Listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, that helps with your mindset as well and your motivation. That really, you know, I I, I almost entirely now listen to podcasts and audiobooks. I I used to only listen to music and, and now I, I hardly ever listen to music now. Um, so, so those, those are the six pistons and, and it's hard, you know, to get them all firing, you know, every day, one or two is going to be misfiring and then you're going to be down on, on distance, but that's, you know, that's just the world of, of endurance sport really. And you just got to kind of make hay when the sun shines. That's the balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, funny. You were talking about, um, ice baths i've recently just bought myself a huge barrel ah oh, that's on my that, my dear santa list oh it's, it's, my, <coughs> it's my birthday in april so i think i'm gonna get one got that off my daughter for my birthday recently <laughs> so it's a little rubber duck with a thermometer on it so i can oh, put it in there but like do, do, you, do you do ice baths is this something you believe in and what, what sort of benefits yeah yeah i had one I, I i just got a wheelie bin just the brown wheelie bin i've got in the i saw on your insta it looked yeah. freezing yeah, I, I did one tonight actually. They're um they're good. You can only go up to your waist because and they're too narrow to even bend down. And they're a real mission to get out of, like because you they're so narrow, you've got to like get your legs up your chest and because you don't want it toppling over. So that's an issue. So it's not ideal. But um yeah, I think I'm gonna get about it. Do you have the big sort of yeah. five hundred liter one? I, I was very yeah. lucky actually. Um a friend of mine, Ollie Smith, um, you, you might have heard of him. He, he yeah. runs, um, run, oh, I'm going to get it wrong, wrong, run the Dare to Run. I don't know if you've heard oh, about okay. it in yeah, South I Wales. Know that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he probably follows you. You probably follow him on Instagram. Yeah, but he's, yeah. he's got one. He's always uh, get, getting in one on Instagram and he's inspired me. So I messaged him. I said, where can I get myself a barrel? And it, it, it just coincidence, his friend was selling one. 
at the exact yeah. same moment. So I just wow. I bought it straight away. I love it. It's such a weird. Was experience. it watertight straight away? Because I've read online that some of them you buy are not watertight straight away, but you just leave water in it for a while, right? Well, that's it. Um, it was because I think it was being used. Oh, okay. Well, I think that's what happens, yeah. isn't it? The, the, the wood absorbs the water and then it and expands. Then they, yeah, exactly. Because I see a lot of people go, oh, I bought one and they're not watertight. I'm thinking, well, you just need to leave more, leave water in it yeah, for longer. Yeah, just keep topping it up. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it's such an odd experience, isn't it? Because it's, it's severe pain. That's what I get from it. Yeah. That rises and rises and rises. And you've got to be able to, see it through until it doesn't rise anymore it just like it hits the its threshold doesn't it it doesn't get any more painful and that's when i find I've, usually about a minute i think it takes to get to yeah. that and yeah, yeah. i suppose that's the danger minute within that minute your your mind's telling you it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and you want to hop out but if you see it out you're able to manage it yeah and then when i hop it out after you know a couple of minutes I, i'm only up to like three minutes at the moment mm -hmm. um, i want to get to five or more um after a couple of minutes you want to go back in yeah it's yeah. weird yeah it's true no i'm a big fan um i've not i don't have anything where i can go up to my neck yet so yeah it's uh i want to get those barrels the barrels definitely on my my, my birthday's in april so i'm gonna get on the wish list and get get me one of those but um or i might make a bath so i'm into really into woodworking so i've actually already designed a sort of a shallow just wooden bath trough i guess it would be um which i could which i could just do the other tip i have is uh chlorine tablets by the way mm -hmm. just so that algae doesn't build up so you can just just throw a little chlorine tablet in and i threw one chlorine tablet in my bath oh six months ago and it's still clear you know? really yeah because ah, at the moment i'm changing it every two weeks yeah, no, just, well, I mean, you could if you wanted to, because it's going to get salty and sweaty. Um, but a bit of chlorine in there, you'll, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be good, man. I'll have a look at that. Yeah. Do, do, what sort of benefits do you get from it physically then? Do you find it reduces the swelling and the inflammation? Yeah, definitely for, especially for the legs. You know, mm. I'm doing a lot of running now with hill reps and I feel I feel, and, and it might be placebo, but I really feel there's less pain in my legs after I have a bit of a nice, a nice soak. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the actual what's happening biologically or, or when you go in a bath, but I, I think what it does is just squeezes things out and makes things shrink. So if there's any inflammation, it'll <laughs> shrink it down. And then when you get back out, your body's like oh i need to send blood there and it sends blood there and that helps with I think recovery like as well so it, that's what i've been told but it feels it, good anyway yeah it certainly makes things shrink that's for sure yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> on your website i i really like this section by the way i you don't see this on many athletes uh pages at all if any but you not only had your successes listed you had hiccups yeah <laughs> and i thought that was really important i think people need to see that and especially in boxing they say you know the tale of a true champion is it's not how long how many he's won it's what he does when he gets knocked down what he does when he loses and I like that section about the hiccups it was sort of like yes this went wrong this is what I learned from it and this is sort of how I adapted I was wondering um, what's been the biggest hiccup for you or the most mem memorable um, yeah 
<laughs> what, what's been like the hardest test? What did you learn from it and how, how did you adapt? I think failing as this wannabe uh, National Geographic photographer it was probably the lesson, the biggest lesson I learned in life to sort of have have dreams and goals, but you really need to sort of put put things in place to make them happen. And I sort of didn't really do that in photography. And it, it, it took me ages to work out that, yes, I'd had all these dreams to be this National Geographic photographer, but I didn't really fight for it. You know, I didn't fight. I didn't, and I needed, you need to fight for something you want. And I just sort of thought, well, if I'm a good photographer, people will notice me and it'll just happen. And, and that kind of doesn't, that just doesn't work. You know, you really got to put yourself out there. You've got to try hard. You've got to just hustle. You know, you're hustling for it. And I just didn't do that. And I think I, what I took from that into the endurance world is, you know, yes, you can be a really good cyclist or runner, but it's not going to be enough. You know, you need to learn about wild camping and you need to learn about buying the right food quickly. You know, you're running into a supermarket and you've got like four minutes to buy 2000 calories go and you need to know what to buy you know and it needs to not sit in your stomach too heavy and you need to be able to carry it and you know so there's all these things that you just got to do um and 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 you know they're not just going to come to you you need to go out there and find records you want to bake break or beat or races you want to compete in um when you get to the the sort of level of where i want to be and you know grip breaking these big scary world records so I think that's the biggest hiccup that's taught me a lesson is just, you know, it's not going to just come to you. You've got to fight for it and you've got to be hungry and you've got to chase it mm. um, and be relentless because if you're not, someone else will, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's a big lesson for everyone really to, to take from is that the, the world doesn't owe you anything. It owes you nothing. And I think there's, there's quite a lot of people in sort of self-entitled people nowadays that expect everything from the world. But it, unless you go after it, unless you make, you make actions to go towards something, you'll never do it. I, did you hear somebody, you must hear people all the time say, oh, I wish I could run a marathon or, or, or one day I'll run a marathon. And it's like, well, you can. Yeah. You, you can you've you've just got to action it you've got to do it it's yeah. really important that one it's, it's a good really important lesson yeah definitely i mean the people say i wish i could run a marathon probably don't really want to run one they're just saying it to you know in front of you and it might be at the back of their mind but they're probably not really actually serious about it but um yeah i mean the self-entitlement thing i it's difficult now because it's quite easy to go online and just see the highlights of people's lives and it's not people's fault it's just that's how the social media algorithms work they only put up they show people the good stuff because that's getting more likes so obviously and that tends to be what happens right mm. um whereas i think most people are quite honest now i think on social media but i think the algorithms mean you don't see it unless you you know, do what you've done for this podcast and actually gone into my Instagram feed and scrolled through everything and looked at the highs and the lows and what's gone wrong and gone to my website. But if you just sort of had to skim through my life, you'd probably think, oh my, this guy's superhuman. He's got such a good life. He's not, he's just, it's all there. 
which is why I put the hiccups on the website, as you say, because I wanted to show people that I'm not anything special. I don't have millions of pounds in the bank. I just I was hungry for it and I wanted it and I trained hard and some stuff worked out and quite a lot didn't work out actually as well. But that yeah. didn't stop me sort of carrying on. Uh, and I'm not a freak of nature because what I found is, and th this is quite common with a lot of athletes. A lot of athletes are the best because they are outliers. So there's something in them biologically or physically that makes them the best. And it's just luck of draw. It's just a bit of genetics. Usain Bolt, he's good because he's his height with his body weight, with his muscle density and his muscle makeup makes him the fastest man in the world. I am five foot seven, <clears throat> seven and a half. There's biologically, I pretty much have zero chance of being the fastest man in the world. I'm too short. My muscle makeup is wrong. Uh, X, Y, Z, right? So there's elements, sumo wrestlers, biologically, you know, it's unlikely I could be a sumo wrestler. It's unlikely I could be a baseball, a basketball player because biologically I'm just not one of those outliers and i think a lot of people thought i was good at doing these ultra endurance things because i also had this biological advantage that they didn't have so i actually went and got tested you know i went to to a lab in london and they did all these various tests for me and uh it was quite disappointing actually because secretly <laughs> when i was getting <laughs> tested i was like they're going to find something amazing about me and that I'm going to be written about in the history books for eternity. Yeah. About this one amazing gene that I have. Anyway, I went for my results and the guy looked at my paper and he was just, he was also disappointed because he thought maybe we'll find something. And he's like, oh, mate, you are Joe Bloggs. In fact, you have the salt deficiency, which makes hydration <laughs> a, lot, a lot harder for you. So good luck with that. <laughs> but a fantastic beard. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the best on the planet, surely. Gives me superpowers. But um, yeah, so I, it was important for me to show people that I'm not an outlier. And the reason I'm good at what I do is, is there's a little bit of genetics luck. You know, I'm, I am, I'm on a good day, 68 kgs, and I'm five foot seven and a bit. So weight-wise and height-wise is quite good for endurance sport. Uh, I have a body type that doesn't doesn't store a lot of fat, so I can keep a good weight to get up hills. Uh, I, I recover quite quickly, and I don't know if, if, if you know the rest of the world recovers as quickly as I do, but I seem to sort of bounce back from injuries and, and sort of really big training days quite quickly. Um, so so there's a there is a little bit of an advantage but there's a lot of people who who would be able to do what i do if they just trained as hard um yeah, I mean, which i probably shouldn't be telling people because it's yeah there's probably loads of people going like oh i can beat sean now <laughs> which is true <laughs> well have you, have you heard that saying before that um people don't pick their sports their sports pick them and I think when you're talking about sort of the world ends, the, the, the elite classes, that is where the genetics are really going to be prominent, that you're going to see the difference because that, they've risen to the top because they put the hard work in, they're naturally talented, and they've got the genetics. Yeah. But I suppose in, in, below that, the pool, then it sort of, it's, it comes down to who's going to put the most work in, I suppose. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, That's no, what I love right. about the ultra world, man. It's uh, you you get tall people, short people, wide people. You get them all. It's 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 almost like rugby. Yeah, you must yeah. Watch rugby, South African and and Wales, and now living in Wales. 
yeah, yeah. There's a position for everyone, no matter your size. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. What I, that's what I love about ultra runners and stuff like yeah. that. So there, there is no one type of ultra runner. I, I yeah, believe. exactly. Yeah, I exactly. It's so true. So, um, yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm probably not one of them yet. I'm trying to be a proper ultra runner, but yeah, it's it's taking its time. <laughs> do you do, do you enter races then? Like, because um, I I know that you do your own personal challenges, but do yeah, you, you enter races? I'm I'm starting to. Yeah, I, I did a 50k the peak skyline this year, and and that was that was a good learning experience. I came in middle of the pack, pretty much bang in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah, I'd like to do more. I think when I get a bit older, I think the 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 single day races will will appeal to me. I think I'll get a lot of fulfillment out of them. Yeah, um, I, I I I I'm not quite where I want to be in running yet um i only really started running in my mid 30s and then only really really upped the game at the beginning of last year so it's it's just been only a year now that i've been running mainly running i've not cycled at all really mm-hmm. uh and definitely not swum <laughs> mm-hmm. um but uh yeah so i i'm not where i want to be in running and it, i think give me another another two years i think and I'll, I'll be somewhere near where I feel I want to be in, in running. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a nice, it's a nice journey. I don't, I'm not going to rush it this time. I need to put the foundation in, you know, get everything right and get to a level where I can, you know, start doing big runs. You know, for example, I've never done a hundred miler, for example, I'd love to be able to do a hundred miler. Oh, really? Um, out, yeah. out of everything? Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. It's in, within my running dreams and goals um that's sort of the, the next step for me i'd like to do more than that um but you know again i'd like to be able to enter the spine and 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 competitively <clears throat> I, I don't i don't think i've dreamed of winning it I, I don't think i've got enough in the legs i probably left it a bit too late but you never know there might be a year where where damien doesn't do it <laughs> <laughs> although this year the top three pulled out didn't they so, so everyone's okay. coming yeah in the spine i believe one two and three all pulled out so the person who was in fourth one <laughs> yeah he probably didn't even realize is that a strategy won? Won? Yeah, oh, brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he what, just what, pa- paced it well you know what's been your most standout moment then your most meaningful achievement probably swimming length of britain because that was the one that got me sort of it allowed it opened so many doors for me and allowed me to for example get a book deal <clears throat> and and it it gave me the excuse to get into writing because i'd written two books before that but hadn't published them so they were just sat on my laptop and sort of the when i got a publishing deal for the swim that really gave me the confidence to carry on writing and and i'm so glad it did and it opened up doors for public speaking, which I love. And it opened up doors for other projects. Uh, and, and the most important thing is it just gave me the confidence that this ultra endurance thing that I knew I was kind of good at, but I just hadn't quite achieved anything in it yet. I knew that I was now able to do it um, and I was good at it. And, and then, you know, it just it kind of set me up, really because a lot of stuff came to me after that swim um 
which I just never had would have dreamt that would have come to me like these book deals and whatnot and <clears throat> excuse me other opportunities so it was yeah probably it's probably the thing I'm going to be sitting in the old age home <laughs> when I'm 95 going do you know I was once the first person to swim the lake of Britain and then everyone yeah, will be yeah, like yes yeah, shut yeah, up yeah. Sean you told us five <laughs> minutes ago <laughs> would, would you do it again no. Like if you if in fact which challenge None. would you love to do again None. and which challenge would you never do again? No, I won't do any of them again. Never again. Nope. <laughs> the closest thing I would do is a long bike ride with my kids one day and my wife. You know, like maybe when they've left school, they they wouldn't want to do it with me. But you know, like proper long, like to Australia to watch the World Cup or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah that that's i think a long bike ride with my kids would be fun but uh no none of them no don't want to do, don't want to do any of them again <laughs> Done, dusted, no, move no on. they're hard they're hard they're tough and i've ticked tick that box i don't know how olympians go back and try and win gold again you know if you've won gold already i don't know what you're going to get from winning gold again i t- i take my hat off to them because it's like the only way I can explain it is it must be like writing a really long email and then, you know, you're just about to hit send and your computer dies and you, you're like, oh, no, go write that email all over again. Yeah. And that's why I feel like going and training for the Olympics again is, um, except maybe if you win gold, your email does send and you win some money. I don't know. But uh, get a gold medal. But um, no, hats off to Olympians. They're just a whole, a whole nother level of of dedication so um, you're quite right because obviously we were talking about whys earlier right you know you have to have this deep intrinsic motivation to put the training in the effort and push your body to the limits when you've won gold yeah well what's your motivation exactly to do it all over again you've won the gold you are the best so so indeed hats (laughs) off to them indeed unless the motivation has become two-time two-time gold well yeah but that's just greedy let someone else yeah. have it. <laughs> someone else have a go. I'll be like, I've won gold, I'm retiring. <laughs> <You're done. laughs> I was wondering now, what is your understanding of sort of mental resilience? So we'll get onto the mindset stuff. And how important of a role do you feel it plays on you and your challenges? Um, yeah, resilience is, it, it only comes with experience, really. I think mental resilience comes with experience something difficult and then when it happens again you realize you you didn't die and you survived and you were able to go through it and uh and you just got to actively try and do miserable things (laughs) be cold (laughs) wet miserable hungry and tired and then you realize oh actually the next time that happens it's not as bad um and it's important to also with resilience i think have a certain level of level-headedness you know, and we, we touched on it earlier when when things are bad, that might not be bad tomorrow. So, you know, keep going. And when things are good, don't take your foot off the gas because they might not be good tomorrow either. So it's sort of just keeping this this level level headedness about where you are and what potentially might go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that's just in general uh, a good life skill or a life thing for not just for sport, but for anything, really. Yeah, it, it's almost. I, I've I've thought about this quite a bit myself because I don't see mental resilience as like they call it mental strength. I don't see it as a strength. I see it as more 
it's mechanisms that you can put in place in order to overcome certain obstacles. And you're quite right with experience. I think knowledge plays a big part. The more you know about something, it takes the sting out of what you're experiencing. Um, so doing things once, you know, you're going to know the second time around that it's not so bad. How, how much do you feel that it's um, the, t- taking on these endurance challenges and increasing your resilience through these endurance challenges carries forward into your regular life and, and even parenthood? Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, <clears throat> you can take your experiences on the mountains when it's freezing cold, <coughs> excuse me, and transfer to the rest of your life. The downside for me anyway, is I've survived some pretty terrible situations, you know, like being chased by tornadoes in America, having gangsters follow me, you know, in South America, being battered in the face by massive hailstones and trying to look through my eyes so I don't go blind in Scotland. You know, so I've had all these terrible things happen to me and I've managed to come out the other end. So now, unfortunately, I can be a bit sort of careless on some things, you know, because I, I survived then. So I'm like, well, if I survived then, you know, running up Trefan is going to be fine. So you, you need to not be blasé about it. So that's the one caveat I would throw in there saying, you know, you yes, you may have survived. And you hear it all the time, you know, people who climb Everest and everything, you know, they'll end up dying doing something stupid, you know, outside their back garden, you know, because they just take their their, their eye off the ball and they have this sort of, and, and I, I, I'm to blame as well. You know, I was like, oh, I've done this and I've done that. Well, look at me, <laughs> you know, beat my chest. You know, certainly in the early days, you know, I'll, I'll easily be able to, you know, run a double marathon. <laughs> Actually, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you got to take each challenge with its sort of give it its due respect, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, the plus side is I now sort of have this belief that I can hopefully whatever i put my mind to is gonna i can do it and and some it doesn't always work out yet it's, there are failures of course but at least i tried and i gave it everything and i sort of gave it a go rather than going well i'm never gonna be able to do that i'm not even gonna start mm-hmm. um and it's a nice place to be as long as you know i keep my head on and i keep level-headed and don't be too blasé about it well as as a new father you'll probably get this now i don't know if you ever watched the the sas program on channel 4 with no, ant middleton and stuff no well, no they test they're obviously testing civilians <clears throat> putting them through the paces of sas selection and i've always thought like stuff that just let them deal with a crying child throughout the night that that <laughs> that'll separate the wheat, the wheat from the chaff that will uh, that'll show who's yeah the yeah tell me about it my my t- Two year, two and a half year old still doesn't sleep through the night. It's soul destroying. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, what time are you waking up? We we were up at we were half fivers for a while for a fair few months. Oh, I, I I'll deal with half five any day of the week. He he's often up from one until five. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So he <laughs> he goes to bed at seven seven thirty eight. Yeah. And he'll wake up at one and think it's morning, and he just doesn't understand. You know, especially yeah. now in winter because it's dark in the morning anyway. So, yeah, he's just like, I'm up now. 
So yeah, from like one to five. Yeah. And that's that's a breaker. That's a, that's a ball breaker. Yeah, I mean, we had <laughs> we had we had a good six months where that would happen two or three times a week. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it might happen tonight because he he's he's a bit sick, and he didn't have his daytime nap. And that seems if he skips his daytime nap because he's just he's just not up for sleeping. And maybe it's me, like or maybe I was a bit hyper as a kid, and I think maybe he's got that that bit from me. He's always just wanting to do stuff he's got FOMO yeah I think when he when he goes to sleep he's missing out on something cool yeah um so yeah yeah anyway I think tonight's going to be one of those ones where he's up so yeah you can tell can't you when they miss that nap you've got a feeling yeah but luckily I mean Caroline and I were both self-employed and we both work from home um so we you know if, if if I have a bad night you know she can sort of tap in and it's not like either of us have to get off and go to work for 8 a.m so we we are lucky we can give us give each other a bit of a a lion if if one of us needs it so um i was up at i was up at six this morning to go for my training run in 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 snowdonia um and caroline had a bad sleep so i'm now i'm on duty tonight (laughs) it's your turn you've got to take it in turns you've got to take it in turns yeah i was wondering like so you know, you're obviously this incredible, uh, incredible ultra endurance athlete. Obviously, very mentally resilient and, res- and and physically resilient. What stresses you out? And um, other than, and, and and then maybe other than adventure and running and training, how do you unwind and de-stress? What stresses me out? Um, if if you can believe Caroline, nothing stresses me out, and that stresses her out. <laughs> She's like, "You should be annoyed by this." And I'm like, "Really? Oh, okay." Yeah. <laughs> um, being late that stresses me out. People who are late, mm. which is maybe why I like to break records because if I if I don't break the record, it means I'm late. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm v- if I have something to do. It stresses me out if I can't do it now. I'm I'm not a procrastinator. I'm I'm whatever the opposite of procrastination is. I'm that, which in itself is annoying because, you know, oh, I'm trying to think of an example. I'll be halfway through dinner, and realize I haven't, you know, trimmed a bit of the hedge I was meant to trim today. <laughs> so I'll, I'll literally get up, run and get the the clippers, go just clip that, you know, trim that bit of the hedge, and then come back Caroline's like what are you doing I'm like I just ha- I just it's this terrier thing in me where I just have to do it and I, if I don't do it you know I'm not quite that bad I mean I did that once because I dinner was done anyway and we're, oh, so that's a real story oh yeah genuinely yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were sitting in the garden anyway and whatever yeah and she, I mean she she just puts me she's like Sean can it wait and I'm like yeah she's like then just chill out just have your dinner um so yeah, if I've got something to do, I just have to do it now. And that can be f- annoying for other people, which is why I like to do solo stuff because, you know, I, I th- people would get really annoyed with me because I'm just p- quite particular about, you know, from waking up to being on the bike or on my feet is like 14 minutes. Like that's it. And it's got to be done and it can't be any other way. Um, and, and yeah, that's, a, that's not fun for a lot of people. So that's, yeah, that, that's kind of it really. Um, what was the other question? You, you had then, another one. Other than running and fitness. Oh, uh, how do I, I how yeah, do, how I do you unwind? Yeah, yeah. I've like got to my do? Hobby, uh, hobbies. Yeah, tons of hobbies. At the moment, I'm doing my old camper van up. So that 
really is is like meditation for me because I'm problem solving you know I'm, I'm doing all the inside and I've got wood wooden floors and building a bench seat and learning I'm learning new skills so I'm learning how to upholster the seats myself and you know trying to just work out what what to do and yeah that's for me my meditation knife making I haven't made a knife in ages but I really enjoyed the process of knife making I used to draw and paint I uh, haven't done that in years as, as well. I missed that. Um, and I, I will get into it again. Um, but yeah, I just, I've got to do stuff with my hands and it's, I, I've got to have little mini projects on the go. Mm-hmm. And that for me is, is de-stress. Mowing the lawn, love it. My gardening, I've got a little vegetable <laughs> patch. You know, that's how I, I de-stress. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it, really. Um, it's fulfilling as well. You get something at the end. You actually you've you've made something. You've achieved something. So not only yeah, you've gone, well, yeah, I guess yeah. so. But strangely, I, I'm less excited about the result as the process. I remember when I was into painting, I loved painting, and I'd finish the painting and I'd throw it in the attic. Genuinely, I was like, <laughs> well, I'm done with it now. So for me, I just I really enjoy the sort of meditative process of of applying myself and making stuff and doing stuff with it, you know, create a bit of creativity in there, a bit of, bit of hard work, bit of, bit of thought process, bit of building stuff, making stuff, fixing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and except my vegetables, I, ca- I quite enjoy the, the end process of growing vegetables. Of course. You don't chuck them but, up in the um, loft then. Yeah, no, I don't throw them in the loft. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that for me, that for me is, is it's important. It's important. And every now and then, you know it's we do watch a few documentaries and and films we we enjoy watching a film that you know with young kids it's impossible to have a two hours to sit down and watch a film so that hasn't happened in a while um but caroline's pretty good at making me sort of just kind of stand on just chill yeah have a whiskey have a glass of wine and and it is good for me i have to say you know i'm yeah. not sort of these I'm not going to poo-poo sitting down in front of the telly for half an hour and just de-stressing. I think that's important. Um, but that seems to be my limit, really. Half an hour to an hour, and then that's too much after that. And, yeah, it's every other day, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it sounds like she balances you out and a healthy yeah, balance yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So if people are listening to this and they are inspired and they want to go out and do something epic, achieve something grandiosis is that the word yeah how did they do it sure baby steps baby steps yeah you know it's it's quite easy to you know for example go onto my website and look at all the stuff i've done and look at all the stuff loads of other people have done and go like i want to do that now but you've just just take the baby steps do it for fun initially you know i did this thing called the 496 challenge which is if you run one kilometer on the first of the month, second, two kilometers on the second, three on the third, <clears throat> and the month, has, the month has 31 days, you'll do 496 kilometers in that month. So a lot of people are doing it now this January. And it's become this little club. You can, you can get a medal if you complete the challenge. Um, yeah, it's really good. It's such, it's such a, a great challenge because it's, it's incremental. You know, you're doing 1K, then 2K, you 3K, 4K. Like you can do that. And then all of a sudden you, you're running... 25k 26k 27k 28k um which is you know that's you're doing half half marathons a day by the end for the last week and uh which is 
you'd be surprised how how all of a sudden you're starting you're enjoying it because you've taken these baby steps and i think we all and 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 i'm i'm just as bad as everyone else to be honest going i want to do this i'm just gonna go out and smash it and then you just get injured or or you're not as good as you hoped you would be so you you lose motivation um so it's it's important i think to to have a goal write it down my whole office here is a blackboard so i literally i can write on the ceiling on the wall i've painted the whole thing in, in blackboard paint and and i'm quite visual so i write things all over my office here and and i think it's important but yeah just just take baby steps you know do it for fun at the beginning and you'll naturally get better and then once you start getting to a point where you want to get serious then you can start looking at those six pistons and being quite thoughtful on everything but at the beginning just go and do it for fun you know well, what would you say to people that perhaps um, don't believe that they could ever achieve anything like that? Well, I mean, everyone—it's just, just stupid, you know. It's—I it's, <laughs> think, I think most people are are probably. Well, no, it's no, no I, I disagree. Actually, if you don't think you do, can do it, it's probably because you've not met anyone who's done it, or not looked into the practicality of doing it so for example people who cycle around the world i always thought were just other people part of a certain corner of society that i wasn't part of but what what i didn't do is just actually practically sit down do some research write a list and then all of a sudden it was like well actually it's really not as expensive as you think it is l humphreys spent four and a half years cycling around the world in seven grand um uh you you can get quite fit on a bicycle, you know, the, the, having a British passport means you can pretty much travel anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. You skip some countries that are, that are politically diff- difficult at the moment. That's doable. You can cycle around them and, and that sort of, <clears throat> sort of thing. So actually the, there was no real reasoning for my thinking that cycling around the world was only for a few elites because it could be for anyone you just really need to look into it and just sit down and do your research you know just go and do your research like when i swam the length of britain everyone's like ah well i thought well actually you know everyone did say that one was impossible to be fair but even i kind of was like uh, is it possible but then when i did my research i realized actually it's totally totally doable it's just going to take a long time and be miserable which it was um but <laughs> yeah it's um you you know if people think they can't do something I would urge you just to just to research it a bit more, you know, just look into the practicalities of, you know, you say you can't run a marathon. Why? Why can't you run a marathon? You know, because actually most people can walk a marathon in about seven hours, um, which is within the cutoff time. So so what's what's stopping you? You know, are you getting injured? OK, why are you getting injured? You know, go and get that looked at. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be my first thought is, is, is why don't you think you can do it? And then go and do some research and mm. realize that actually you, you probably can. You just need to change your, your thought patterns a little bit. I suppose that's the thing. If, if they're looking at this huge challenge, it, it can be quite overwhelming, intimidating. Uh, they, they'll, you know, self-limiting beliefs. I can't do that. But then as you're saying, you go and do your research, you break it down into these manageable chunks um, and that will give them the confidence to actually go out there and realize they can do it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Baby steps, yeah. you know, start small. So what does the future hold for Sean? What's on the horizon? Or is it all hush-hush or 
Can you give any clues at all? Yeah, no, no clues, unfortunately. Um, too big. <laughs> it's quite scary, actually. Um, yeah, two big projects I'm training for. One has been delayed since 2019, pretty much the end of 2019. Oh, so quite a while. Yeah, so that COVID has, has stopped that one, really. Um, and and I, I, I'm really not sure when I'll ever do that one. But there's another one that's hopefully going to happen this year. Um, it's just there's quite a lot of logistics involved with this one. So I'm hoping I can pull it off from a logistical point of view. And from a fitness point of view, it's quite tough. It, oh, it's very tough. It's It'd be the hardest thing I've ever and probably will ever do from a from just a just hard it's just hard what what is hard yeah. what is hard is it yeah physically it's hard just, mentally hard yeah, everything physically mentally logistically time cutoffs you know there's so there's a there's a speed element to it so yeah the, the, and it's long it's long as well yeah so. <laughs> are we talking weeks months, oh, no, months. Years. Yeah. Yeah, months yeah months yeah so no <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I don't think I could do years without getting divorced. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's, there's a lot of this one that's that's I'm up against. Um, but at the moment, I f- believe in my physical ability to achieve it. <clears throat> my physical potential, I'm not there yet, nowhere near, but I believe in my potential. But I can be at my potential, but if the logistics don't work out, then I'm then I'm screwed so really it's a it's a very big big project this one when are you likely to announce when i when i can guarantee that the logistics are going to be sweet you know so once the logistics once i know that it's doable from a logistics point of view then i'll well i'll I'll probably slowly announce it nearer the time but sort of call it may may june okay june time watch this space so um if it if it happens again the logistics may not be in my favor and in which case it just won't happen so but I, i'm hopeful i'm hopeful if people want to hear about the challenge what where can they find you where can they follow you what's your uh, yeah insta handles i guess websites? instagram yeah just just search me on in the internet yeah I, <laughs> I uh yeah i believe yeah, yeah there's only one sean conway with a big ginger beard so i'm not hard to find <laughs> um so but i think instagram is probably the one i use the most it's it's the most fun because it's i'm quite visual i really enjoy photography still now so yeah that's the one really and that's at, at sean conway all one word isn't it uh at sean conway adventure i think it is yeah oh it is long well, i can't see yeah. it as you say, if they if they search for you, they'll find you. Yeah, yeah. And, and be there. You said you got several books out as well. Is there any any um, who which yeah, if any yeah. book they should go out and buy, what which book should it be? Well, you know, I've got three cycling books, a running book, um, swimming book, and then a kids' novel. So it depends what you're into, really. Um, if you're into cycling, the round the world cycling book is probably the one that people buy the most i've only got one swimming book and one running book so and they're all they're all pretty good actually i have to say i'm pretty proud of them i wouldn't publish them if they're a crap um mm. because i don't see the point of having a crap book out there for the sake of it uh if they were crap i would just print it out and leave it on my shelf here for my grandkids to read <coughs> but um 
yeah I'm very lucky that people really like reading my books so I'm going to keep writing them um I've got I've got another six in my to-do list so another six yeah I know <laughs> I've just not got around to it yet <laughs> it's coming like a couple of them are sort of looking back at my childhood um I've got three books which might just be one book to be fair but the three decades up till 30 when I sold the business so sort of my African upbringing my school years and then my 10 years in London um so those those are going to hopefully well I just I've written the beginning of all of them I've written the first few chapters and then I sort of shelve them and get to there when I need to get to there I need to do the sequel I've I've got a sequel for my kids book Mm -hmm. which I'm trying to write um but just running out of time because I'm spending my days running up Triffin yeah (laughs) (laughs) insane challenges they too tend to get in the way that's the problem yeah so um I uh yeah watch your space so be i'd like my dream is to have 50 books out by the time i die i think that would be cool i've got seven now so you know i'm a bit behind because i haven't written one for a couple of years so normally i sort of did one a year which really enjoyed doing that um so i've got yeah i've got some catching up to do so yeah watch your space keep chipping away yeah. uh sean thank you very much for your time Really Thank enjoyed you that. so much. Yeah, mate, that was, that was great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's been great. No worries. And um, we will keep uh, an eye on your socials and we look forward to you announcing those two mega challenges this year, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. F- fingers crossed. And um, yeah, watch your space. If you'll uh, follow me on Strava, you'll see me, you know, dying. <laughs> you'll see how slow I am and you'll be like, he's not up for it. <laughs> yeah, see, see the beacon going off, is it? The yeah, exactly. Send in the chopper. Yeah, Thank you very yeah. much, Sean. And yeah. uh, we'll catch up soon. Nice one, mate. Catch you later. Cheers. <laughs>